We the people. We 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 the people. We the people of the United States. In order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. You ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Welcome back, my friends, fellow cheese lovers. It's a Thursday. We call it Constitution Thursday. It's time when we take an hour, turn to the pages of the United States Constitution. We read it. Talk about why it was written the way it was written, what it meant when it was written, how it got to that point, what it was supposed to mean, what it does mean, how it's been interpreted, and most of all, how it affects your life today. We call it Constitution Thursday. We look at it through the eyes, John, of uh, both Star Trek and the zombie apocalypse. Whenever we can, we work those things in there. Mostly, we just uh, we just study. Something we started doing back in 2010, 2010. We're calling this Volume 2. Back uh, January of this year, we started over again at the beginning, and we've uh, worked our way through to Article 1, Section 7, which, as I've mentioned on numerous occasions today and this week, is... Um, Probably my favorite section, not because it contains anything particularly interesting or entertaining or case law that's with it, but just because of the great song. It's the only section, well, there's two sections of the Constitution that have songs written about them, right? The preamble and this one. I think that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah, I think so. Unless they maybe might be giants has something that I don't know. <laughs> Which is just highly possible. possible. Highly possible. A low-quee cognizio stand up, tell those who oppose liberty, don't tread on me. So, by the way, I'm uh, still looking for people that want to want to hear their voices reading the preamble. So far, Marshall is the only one that's really, uh, really responded to that, John. I, I figured there would be more people who wanted to get on board with that, but maybe, maybe. I wonder if, it's, if there's like a barrier to, uh, maybe, you know, maybe people love the computer voice, a quality recording or something like that. People do not love the computer voice. You know what? I guarantee if, if somebody it. wants to read the preamble, drop us an email. We'll have you come in here and we'll we'll record you doing it. it. It'll take what five minutes? Yeah, we could do that. If that, do you want me to record it? Well, either one of us could do it. We You're probably have, better at it from a technical standpoint we, than I am, but we can have, we can have somebody come in and uh, and do it in the in the voice of a celebrity. We could, if you want to do that, I'm okay. If you want to do Christopher Walken reads the preamble, celebrity impersonation, not means, intended. Call us up. <laughs> not necessarily apply, but no, but yeah, really, I'm, my goal was to have multiple voices doing that, and I'd like to. T- here's my real dream, John. This is the odd part of this. I'd like to take all of these voices, of regular <laughs> Your people. Your real dream, and it's about to get weird. This, I'm, I'm, I'm wary here. There's Jello involved, <laughs> a fish, and a pyramid. Um, <laughs> what was the, what was the one P we had? He said something about like, like I'm, I'm in my pajamas. And there's a snake rolling a donut. Something like that. I don't. Know. Okay. So my dream would be to have all these voices and to time it at the same, and and it, it just layer them over each other. 
which would get busy. Yeah, I know. it could. But, it could. But I mean, you could start out like one three person, or four voices, start out with it, one, and then build it into this crescendo of voices. You know, what else might be kind of neat is if you have like a bunch of people or whatever, and then just have everybody do like a phrase of it, like those, uh, like the one like, word each, those little PSA. Well, I don't know about that. I would do like a phrase at a time, like we the people, somebody right. else, right. in order to form, you know, blah blah blah. Could do that. too. That'd be kind of that'd but, be kind of. But neat. the way this starts is with people just reading the whole thing. So if you'd like to do that, just drop us an email. You right. can come by when we're here, obviously, because. We're not here all the time, uh, and we'll just I'm, – I'm willing to do that. I don't have a problem doing it. Plus, it'll, it'll get you into the palatial KFIV studios. You'll get to see them for a little while. Until we kick you out. All the magic is done. <clears throat> there you go. So there's, uh, there's that. So if anybody's interested in – Constitutional magic. Yeah, it's kind of, a, kind of a cool thing. John, you may have been saying to yourself all along, how could I get involved with Constitution Thursday? How can I participate more in the discussions and the preparation for Constitution Thursday? I say it actually all the time before I go to sleep. I, I know you do. Right. Others may indeed. I think to saying. myself, how can I do a better Constitution Thursday this Thursday? It should be the first thing on your mind. It is. It's, it's, it's the most important segment we do all week. I think so. Followed by, you know, it's like top Neil, five fun with news. Neil Bortz was saying. The talk radio does not necessarily educate or inform people or change people's minds and stuff. I submit that Neil Boards did not do Constitution Thursday. No, he did not. And I and I and I think that like while usually he probably is correct. I mean, probably we're mostly talking to people who generally agree with us, and it's more just kind of a discussion about you know the intellectual sort of implications right. of of our of our beliefs and ideas and stuff. Uh, I think that I think that Constitution Thursday really is an opportunity to well, as I as learn I've said, something, and as I've because I did right as I've said, when, if I took what I knew of the Constitution, if you'd have given me a Dave, tell me what you know about the Constitution on January first, twenty ten, I would have told you that I felt reasonably competent in discovering what I what I've been most surprised in the last three four years now is how much I did not know what I did not know. Yeah. And it's it's been amazing. We've gone through. There's a, there's actually a podcast in the the original version. We had a week where we something was going on, and I, I actually did on my own. I did a well. We had to pre-record a show, is what it was, and I actually did a top five things I've learned on Constitution. Me, Dave, and that was one of them. That that I was amazed at how much I did not know, and that's been the enjoyable part for me. And especially as we go back through the second time, because we we've really refined how we do this now. As opposed to me just sitting here lecturing, it's me and John talking, and we get into some case law and stuff. And I, I and I think I think that adds a lot to that. And I've been, I've certainly enjoyed it. But you may be saying to yourself, "How can I get involved?" Check Facebook.com/slash Constitution Thursday, and there you will find a fan page that is set aside solely and only for the issues of Constitution Thursday. It's not the Afternoons Live page. It's not the KFIV page. It's not Dave Diamond's page. It's Constitution Thursday. And as a part of that, That's you will cool. notice that the links that are on that page go to a specific blog site that is the blog site now of what is known as the LPOV, the layperson's point of view, which is a working group that we put together back late last fall, as I recall. We had uh, we had dinner at Mike's Roadhouse right before. <laughs> we didn't know it was going to close. Uh, but we had dinner at Mike's Roadhouse. There were, I think, five or six of us there that night. Um and it's a, it's a group of people who have been put together to comment on the Constitution, Constitution Thursday, to uh, bounce ideas off of, to 
basically keep things on an even keel and at the same time disseminate more ideas and more viewpoints about what we're talking about. Moreover, it gives you the opportunity, if you would like, to comment on some of those things as well. It's, um, it's an opportunity for you to participate as well. And that's why we put that together. We've, uh, we've been working on it for the better part of, I guess, how long has it been? Six months? Is this March already? It is. God bless America. So that was back in like September. So it's been a long time we've been working on this. And I think we finally got it all put together. And um, it's, it, you know, it's still in kind of a beta run, I guess, is the best point to put it at this point. But we put it together for the listeners to get involved with this. That's why we did it that way. And uh, we invite you to go to Facebook.com slash Constitution Thursday. You become a fan there. And then each of the links will take you to the, the actual LPOV blog site, which eventually right now is a WordPress blog, but eventually will become its own standalone website. So that's the, uh, that's the goal. We're very proud of it. Um, I, I think it's going to be a great thing. I really do. And ultimately, it will help as we go through this study of Constitution Thursday. And really, as John has said, it will educate people. And if you're, if you're driving, listening, talking, whatever you're doing right now, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, I know everything there is to know about the Constitution, I thought that too once upon a time. And I'm, I'm amazed every day by what I didn't know. Socrates said the beginning of wisdom is realizing your uh, your own limitations. And when we get into these arguments like we had yesterday with the with the filibuster from Rand Paul, the questions that he were asking to have the knowledge of understanding the actual process, the actual question at at stake. Is beneficial to the you and it's benefiting as well, because we have a constitution is to solve the, and our posterity, the blessings of liberty. That's why it was put here. And you can't do that if you don't know what those are. So that's why we did it. So uh, Facebook.com slash Constitution Thursday. It's quarter after when we get back, John. I'm just a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. I can't wait. I can't wait either. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Yes. I mean, I got this far, but when I started, I wasn't even a bill. I was just an idea. Some folks back home decided they wanted a law passed, so they called their local congressman, and he said, You're right. There ought to be a law. And he sat down, he wrote me out, and introduced me to Congress, and I became a bill. And I'll remain a bill until he decides to make me a law. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. Welcome back. Afternoons Live, KFIV, KWSX, everywhere via the iHeartRadio app. I just don't think there are enough covers of that no, song, John. I think there ought to be dozens of people doing that song. I'd there like to hear a Frank Sinatra version. 
<laughs> you know who we need to, I'll tell you. No, you know who we need to get to cover this song? Who? Tony Desaire. I can see that. Next time he's here. Yeah, get him get him behind we're, that. We're going to we're going to get him to, to to cover that song. All right. Welcome back my friends. Constitution Thursday episode of Afternoons Live Article 1, Section 7. All bills for raising revenue shall originate in the House of Representatives, but the Senate may propose or concur with amendments as on other bills. Makes sense? I mean, I guess. So Ooh. all so what they're saying is all bills that are going to raise taxes on the people or whatever. <gasps> oh, interesting to, you should put it that way. <laughs> have to uh, originate in the house designed to speak for the people. Well, what if though, John? Once upon a time, a long time ago in a land far, far away called Washington DC. It was a city, John, a city that many have mentioned is, uh, what is it, Southern Charm and Northern Efficiency, or is it the other way around, Northern Charm and Southern Efficiency? At, at any particular rate, a classically designed city carved out of the uh, 10 square miles of Virginia and Maryland uh-huh. as part of the Constitution, the Enclave Clause, as you'll learn later on down the line, as part of the Compromise and the the uh, where to establish the national government and so forth and so on. Fine, we'll do this, but you have to give us this. But in 1906, Washington, D.C. was, well, it was kind of backwards. See, the world was moving forward, and Washington, D.C., the nation's capital, the heartbeat of America, as it were, which is really Chevrolet, but they hadn't come on the scene yet, uh, did not have certain amenities that other cities should have. Like sewage? Well, in this particular case, railways and uh, a union station for the railroads to to stop at so that people could get on the trains and off the trains without having to um, disembark through cow patties. And so an act of Congress was passed February 12th, 1906, end of February 28th, 1906, For eliminating grade crossings of railways and erection of a union station in the District of Columbia and providing for part of the cost thereof by appropriations to be levied and assessed on properties in the district other than those belonging to the United States government. This bill originated, however, in the United States Senate. Senate. Ah! Shenanigans. So you would think. Off the top of your head, you would go, well, honey, right. Yeah. Didn't they kind of say that? uh... And especially if you happen to own property in Washington, D.C. that uh, was not governmental property where you just got taxed, levied, (laughs) to raise revenues (coughs) to build a union station or, as they put it, erect a union station, which is not how we would say it today, but because it's funny. Times have changed. (laughs) It is kind of funny, though. Um, so naturally people that owned property sued saying, no, I mean, we're not necessarily against the idea here, but you, you did it wrong. You did not start this bill in the house of representatives. Check. Right. (sighs) Alas, the Supreme court took up the case and eventually decided that in fact, well, 
revenue bills within the meaning of the constitutional provision that they must originate in the House of Representatives and not in the Senate are those which levy taxes in the strict sense of the word and are not bills for other purposes, which may incidentally, tangentially, on the side, as a side effect, oh, help us, generate revenue. Now I get it. So, all right. So bills that are just like that's all they do, which no bill does anymore. Or is, ever. Is gener- right. <laughs> is generate revenue. Those, that, yes, definitely let's start those in the House. But if some two also in a provision, you know, by which right, that's not the, bill the is for. purple. Right. The purple, John, is the, well, it's the Union Station Erection Bill. Again, kind of fun. Right. In a childish, but they have to get paid for very somehow. immature way. But if we conclude in that bill, and, and you know, we, we, the bill, of course, even in 1906, the bill is going to be fairly substantial. It's not going to be a one-page summary where you can read it going, oh, we're going to build, we're going to build a train station in Washington, D.C., because right now we don't have one, and people have to get off the train here in Washington, D.C., and it's uncomfortable, and, and, and doesn't, it doesn't look like it should in the capital of the United States. And then buried at the end in the small print, much like Prop 42, California's Prop 42. Oh, by the way, uh, we're going to raise taxes on gas for fixing the roads. But if we decide that there's a budgetary crisis where we can put the money in the general fund, and don't read this part real loud because we don't want you to know. <laughs> if we put that in the end of the bill, then it's not really a revenue bill, a construction bill that needs money. And so we'll tangentially come up with a purpose. Now, Take that little bit of information from 1906 and start looking at some of the bills that are, because we get this question all the time. Well, how can they do that in the Senate? How can they raise taxes in the Senate? Because they're not actually doing that. And if you look very closely at what they're doing, you'll always notice that the title of the bill and the purpose of the bill and what they talk about for the bill is never to raise your taxes. It's to accomplish some good moral foundational purpose like, I don't know, Scrubbing sidewalks, or right? Whitewashing fences, or whatever. Well, but oh, well, we need money for that. So <clears throat> that's how they've gotten away with that since 1906, and the Supreme Court let them do it. That's so shady. Since 1906, yeah. Before that, they didn't really have much of a problem. Yeah, they they really didn't. I I think this is it the first time like, uh, we've been off the rails for a while. It, it, this was the first time they really tried it because you know. Before the before the turn of the century, Washington D.C. you had the Capitol and a bunch of crappy hotels where everybody stayed. Right, and that was pretty much it. But with the turn of the century, it kind of became the you know the Industrial Revolution. Things are taken. Yeah, we gotta. This ain't London. This ain't Paris. This ain't uh, Saint Petersburg. We need to we need to kind of jazz this place up a little bit. And this public works thing kind of took off. We, we, we Back in volume one, we did a whole section on uh, the amendment that gives D.C. the vote. And we talked about the history of Washington, D.C. and how the fact that it was basically a sewer, uh, open sewers up until the turn of the century. And, and uh, look, it was a swamp. I mean, right? they didn't even build a third of the thing. So Maryland or Virginia said, well, if you're not going to use this, we... Take it back. You ever wonder why Washington D.C. You know, it looks like a, a square that's broken on the bottom. Uh-huh. That's why because Virginia chunk. Virginia said, "Well, if you're not going to use that, we're going to take it back." <laughs> and they did. And that's why Washington D.C. is shaped the way it was supposed to be—a perfect diamond square, right. square shape, whatever you want to call it, ten square miles. And uh, 
Well, it, nope, <laughs> they just didn't do it. And and the place was a pigsty, and you could argue in some parts of it, it still is. So, but uh, the point being that <clears throat> they decided to start doing public works for the government, which of course eventually led Bill John to a uh, to a subcommittee on public buildings and grounds, which is where Senator Gravely was sitting on June twenty ninth, nineteen seventy one, when he read into the record of that committee the Pentagon Papers, right? Without which. Well, we wouldn't have had Constitution Thursday two weeks ago. So there you go. It's afternoon's live KFIV 1360 AM Modesto, everywhere via the iHeartRadio app. It is Constitution Thursday, looking at Article 1, Section 7. I'm just a bill. How does a bill become a law? One of the greatest parts of the Constitution. And, John, one of the most specific parts of the Constitution. There's very little room for implication here. Although, (laughs) they're already trying, aren't they? (laughs) Stay with us. We'll be right back. KFIV, KWI Heart Radio, Article 1, Section 7. I wrapped up Clause 1 there pretty quick. But it's one of those frustrating elements that all bills raising revenue must initiate in the House. Now you know how they get around that. It's amazing, isn't it? You didn't know that this morning. You yeah. got up this morning and you went, I know everything about the Constitution. You didn't know how they got around that. Right. And, and, and kind of the crummiest thing about it almost is that you are tempted to then think to yourself, well, shoot, like, I mean, would they be more honest about things if they hadn't designed it that way? No. But no, I mean, no. there would just be something else that they would have to, you know. In, in point of fact, this particular, this particular article section, section seven, is considered by many to be the most specifically written section. In fact, they, they, they debated it at great length. They, they were very concerned. When they put Article 1 together, they, the legislative process, they were very concerned because they were doing some things that hadn't actually done been done before, and they took out some things that had been done before. They were, in the past, legislative bodies had had what was known as a legislative veto, where the executive or king or whoever could issue a law, and the legislature could say no. No, we're not going to do that, right? They took that out. That our legislature doesn't have that. Really? And they so were, is that? I mean, is that why we've got executive orders and there's nothing really anybody can do about it? Or not quite, but but in that vein, yes. Okay. It's the, we we've gotten. They were very concerned that the legislative process would be usurped, and that. Somehow or not, I know your, your eyeballs go <laughs> it up. It has you know, by everybody, including the legislature. Well, and see, that's part of the problem. Yeah. And, but they were concerned about it, and that's why they were so specific about what was supposed to happen. Every bill which shall have passed the House of Representatives and the Senate shall, before it becomes a law, be presented to the President of the United States. If he approves, he shall sign it. But if not, he shall return it with his objections to that House in which it shall have originated who shall enter the objections at large on their journal and proceed to reconsider it. If after such reconsideration, two-thirds of that House shall agree to pass the bill, it shall be sent together with the objections to the other House, by which it shall likewise be reconsidered. And if approved by two-thirds of that House, it shall become a law. But in all such cases, the votes of both Houses shall be determined by yeas and nays. Not present. 
And the names of the persons voting for and against the bill shall be entered on the journal of each house respectfully. Respectively, sorry. If any bill shall not be returned by the president within 10 days, Sundays accepted, in parentheses, after it shall have been presented to him, the same shall be a law, in like manner as if he had signed it. Okay, so if it goes through both houses or whatever, the president basically has 10 days from the point at which it's it's handed in to either veto it or sign it and be like, yeah, that's cool, let's do it. Right. Okay. Unless... Unless the Congress, by their adjournment, prevents its return, in which case it shall not be a law. So, in other words, if they give him a law and not counting Sundays, because, right. uh, you know, you can't do that anyway. But If they uh, give him a law and then close up shop or whatever, so they can't send the, it back. Yeah. Right, right. That's, uh, it, it's been, then it will be the same as if he had sent it back. Yeah, it just kind of sits there. Right. In, in, in bill limbo. Okay. And by that point, it's very difficult to become a law. Limb bill. Every order, resolution, or vote. Now, here's where it starts to get convoluted. Listen. Every order, resolution, or vote to which the concurrence of the Senate and the House of Representatives may be necessary, parent, except on a question of adjournment, unclosed parent, shall be presented to the President of the United States. And before the same shall have... Uh, shall take effect, shall be approved by him, or being disapproved by him, shall be repassed by two-thirds of the Senate of the House of, and of the House of Representatives, according to the rules and limitations prescribed in the case of a bill. So you can see where they they left no room here for, for debate. Debar- you can't really go, well, wait. They basically just kind of said, like, here's how this works. But like most things, John... Like most things. <laughs> we find a way. It, doesn't it seem that way? Yeah, it really does. It, when we get back to, and, and one, of the cha- one of the biggest changes in myself from, say, four years ago to now, is we used to throw this term out, conservatives especially, we would throw this term out called original intent. Well, what was the original intent of the Constitution? But what you find when you actually get into the Constitution, when you actually get into the minds of the people who wrote this thing, is that their original intent was all over the place. Right. You had people that were pro-slavery. You had people that were anti-slavery. You had people that hated the idea of sovereign states, and they're the people that you would think wouldn't. They were terrified of the states running amok over uh, over the of the federal government. Likewise, there were people who were terrified of the government taking over. The, there is no such thing as quote unquote original intent, other than what it actually says. Which in this particular case, they've gone to great lengths to spell out in detail. To make sure that, well, don't do that. Check. Everybody's with you. The problem comes in in this little thing here. Every order, resolution, or vote. What's the difference? We have have resolutions determining that it's National Butterfly Week the president have to approve that and if he doesn't after 10 days sunday's not included does that not become a law or does it get sent back or or my god what happens to the butterflies or candy bars or whatever the heck it happens to be people aren't thinking about them what if we pass a resolution that says well we we pass a resolution that says we don't like mondays i mean who does does that need to go to the president? 
according to this, it seems to, doesn't it? And what's the difference lawfully between an order, a resolution, or a vote? Does a resolution mean it's a law? Is now every Monday National Butterfly Chase Butterflies Don't Go to Work Day? Although we'd all probably be in favor of that. Right. Just because Congress said, well, we resolve, we don't really like, we think all Mondays, all Mondays should start at noon on Tuesday. How's that for a resolution? We we just just think that's a good idea. Not only does Monday no longer exist, Tuesday starts real late. But but we (laughs) we don't think we can get enough votes to pass that as a law, and it probably wouldn't be constitutional anyway. So, but we, we, we just... You know, we think that this is a good idea, and we, we'd, we'd like to express our opinion in our journal saying that this is the way it is. This is what we think. So they vote on it, and they send it to the president. What does he do with that? If he signs it, does it become a law? If he pockets it, does it get pocket vetoed? If they, if they adjourn in the meantime, what happens? Where does it all go? Where does it all end? What does it all become? And that really becomes the difficulty in all of this, doesn't it? The the problem has become, of course, and the thing that they were afraid of and the thing that they were worried about was very simply that, well, what's to keep a president from just simply calling everything a resolution and so not signing anything? What's to keep what's to keep Congress from calling everything a vote, meaning that he does have to sign off on everything? And more importantly, And most frighteningly, what's to stop Congress from passing a order, resolution, or vote saying, you know, this is really hard. We don't want to do this anymore. We want somebody else to do this. Even though the Constitution says they're supposed to. Is that a law? Is that an order? Does the president have to sign it? Now that Congress is actually voting, they'd never do that, you say? <laughs> Why is there a Department of the Treasury? Congress is supposed to take care of all that stuff, but now it's done at the White House. Why is there a Department of Commerce? Who's supposed to oversee commerce between foreign nations, the various states, and in Indian tribes? Is it in, is it in Article 1 or Article 3 or 2? Which, which article? It's in Article 1, Section 8. We're going to talk about it in the next few weeks. Congress was supposed to do all these things, but the thing that terrified the framers was the idea that the the Congress would begin to punt on its duties and, in fact, delegate administrative and executive discretion. And, of course, it didn't take long before it started happening, and we've seen it happen along the way, and it's happened recently as well. In 1984, Congress passed something called the Sentencing Reform Act. We could spend a lot of time on that, but we're not going to do it. It, it, But essentially, it abolished indeterminate criminal sentencing. It established the United States' session within the judicial branch and empowered seven to promulgate binding federal judges. Judges, otherwise I have to sentence you to five years, seven years, 15, whatever. This is why. Constitutional delegation of criminal sentencing power to an independent sentencing commission. Does that seem like it fits under the ideas of Article 1, Section 7, where Congress says... "Uh, do this that was one of the questions that was raised and of course it made its way as well to the supreme court 565 dave is the text machine number don't forget facebook.com slash constitution thursday 
is the Constitution Thursday porthole to get you to the LPVLV, the layperson's point of view, uh, commentary and blog. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You sure got to climb a lot of steps to get to this Capitol building here in Washington. Well, I wonder who that sad little scrap of paper is. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Well, it's a long, long journey to the Capitol City. It's a long, long wait while I'm sitting in committee. But I know I'll be a law someday, at least I hope and pray that I will. But today I am still just a bill. Gee, Bill, you certainly have a lot of patience and courage. Well, I got this far. When I started, I wasn't even a bill. I was just an idea. Some folks back home decided they wanted a law passed, so they called their local congressman, and he said, you're right, there ought to be a law. Then he sat down and wrote me out and introduced me to Congress, and I became a bill. And I'll remain a bill until they decide to make me a law. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I got as far as Capitol Hill. Well, now I'm stuck in committee and I'll sit here and wait while a few key congressmen discuss and debate whether they should let me be alone. I hope and pray that they will. But today I am still just a bill. You know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff out there to what is there anything out there that explains this better? Is all that discussion no. and debate about you? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, the best way to do and to explain something like this anyway is really simply. So, of course, like, why not, you know, the way they right. would explain it to a kid? Right. And yet, at the same time, there's still layers that have to be peeled away from this. Uh, back uh, in, in, in. Sorry, I'm, I'm flubbing my voice here. Um, trying to figure out when this was, case was decided. It's fairly recent. Um, John Misretta sold cocaine, argued that the sentencing guidelines he was facing because of the Sentencing Reform Act of 1984 were unconstitutional because Congress had uh, violated the separation of powers and bypassed Article 1, Section 7 by just kind of uh, in a non-legislative, not following the procedures for for creating a bill, had created this sentencing commission in direct uh, argument i guess you could make the argument that the, this is exactly what the framers were most afraid of and yet john you want to guess how the court came down on this <laughs> how dave well justice blackman delivered the more majority appendment he wrote as society increases in complexity congress must delegate its job under broad general directives the broad delegation is sufficiently specific Sorry, i got to turn the page. Detailed to meet its constitutional requirements. They've got three goals in mind. Guarantee the act and up, uh, guarantee to uphold the act passed. Two, to provide certainty and fairness. And three, establish uniform criminal justice processes. And so, therefore, since, since life is complex and Congress is really busy, and it's really hard, John, it's, it's hard to be a congressman. It's a lot of work. Super hard. I just don't know that $175,000 is enough. I mean, if you were to cut their pay, it would be demeaning to them. Right. It would, it would not uphold the dignity of the right. job. After all, I mean. Because it's hard. No way, because doctors went to school for like a really so long they time and make about that much, right? Passed a, you know, I, I was reading a thing today about return on investment for education. Uh-huh. I wonder what the ROI is. It's terrible now. I, w- I wonder what the ROI is for becoming a congressman. Because well, you don't I spend mean, your you, own money, right? You don't even necessarily have to go to college. Right. That's my point. 
I mean, it's not like there's a and you're going to become a millionaire, a congressman major. <laughs> you're going to become a millionaire. You're, yeah, you're going to be. So they managed to uh, to you get know, around. Unless that you one. have a soul. And even if you do, they'll probably take it. <laughs> yeah, they'll figure out a way to, you know. Yeah, It's amazing. It's 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 a movie, but uh, have you ever seen The Distinguished Gentleman with Eddie Murphy? And he, uh, talk, no. he talks about, Not in a long he's, time, a, he's a con guy who happens to have the same name as a now deceased congressman. Uh-huh. And so he figures, what the hell, I'll run for Congress because I've got the same name. And nobody will notice the difference because nobody knows who their congressman is. And, of course, he wins. Right. And he goes to Congress and realizes that, he spent his whole life as a scam artist, and as he says on the floor of the <laughs> these house, guys do it legally. none of the bleep I've pulled has even come close to what I've done here legally. Yeah. And you can look at the Constitution, and you go, well, they got around even the most basic element, which was revenue has to start in the house. And they meant it that way for a reason, because the people control the purse spring. Right. If we're going to vote to increase our taxes, we should have a say, at least some control over how it gets spent. Well, and, also- and they bypassed that right around. Oh, well, you know, that's the ridiculous thing, man. I was thinking about it earlier today. Is it like, like, what a crazy idea this is? Like, you know, they say, oh, okay, well, we're going to stop giving White House tours. I mean, can't we, as the people, just say, no, you're not? You're going to get rid of this dumb thing and this dumb thing. We could. But we can't. They tell us all the time what what they're going to spend our money on. And doesn't that seem like it's indirect? Opposition yes. to Article 1, Section 7 of the Constitution. Yes. That's why we should study this stuff, my friends. That's why we should learn it. And that's why we should sing those songs all together now. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. You're going to be singing it all night. I Guaranteed. know I will be. Guaranteed. That or, uh, that or you'll be saying, I can't want to. <laughs> I'm sure that'll end your conversation at some point. Back in 60 seconds. puts the wrap on a Constitution Thursday episode. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. Thanks again to Neil Bortz for joining us this afternoon and to each and every one of you for being a part of the show. Don't forget tomorrow. We've got a busy day tomorrow, John. Leadership Modesto will be in here in the 3 o'clock hour. It's our annual tete-a-tete uh, yes. with them. They, they train them in the morning to how to deal with media. Yeah. And then they feed them to me in the, to in the afternoon. <laughs> it's awesome. It's blast. Then we got fun with those. And, of course, top five movie-slash-TV protagonists I want as a partner for the zombie apocalypse. Get your list together, and uh, basically, it's who do you want as your partner in well, in a, in, a, in a disaster? Who do you who do you want to be with you if you have to go out and uh, kill the living undead in order to survive? Right? It's gonna be a hell of a list. It's gonna be good. Could be uh, could be some room for Kurt Russell on that list. Could maybe. be some. I was thinking that myself. <laughs> could be some room for Kurt Russell right there on on that list. All right, take the time right now. Tell the people that matter in your life you love them very much. You would miss them if they weren't there, so don't pass up those opportunities. You don't want to have that regret. Please don't forget to check out Facebook.com slash Constitution Thursday. I'm a fan of that uh, segment of the show and participate there on the LPOV block, the the layman's point of view blog. Have a wonderful night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay tuned. Rusty Humphreys is next.
afternoon's live is a slippery fish entertainment production for Clear Channel Media and Entertainment Modesto.